0: I remember being here, at the seaside, when I was a child, back when the days seemed much hotter and the ice creams seemed much bigger, like swirly frozen tower blocks, licking quick before it disappeared.
1: Welcome to the annual Black Rock Carnival on the conveyor belt before me. You see many items, a book of poetry, a horse and cart, a stick of rock, a statue of St. Martin and a mother's love. None of this may make sense to you now and there may not be an atom of meaning in it for you, but you will discover their true meaning as the show unfolds. Begin at the beginning and go on till you come to the end. Let's stop.
0: A seaside store and a music shop. Two shops side by side, like father and son. Danny and Connor Hughes live together and work together and share life's joys and struggles together. Connor is Danny's only son, his only child. Connor runs the music shop and Danny the seaside store. Danny is aged 99 like an ice cream. Connor is 45, like a record, or thereabouts. Their story takes place in the seaside town of Black Rock in County Loud.
2: Dad's day starts with an eagerness to get down to the shop. If we get up earlier, we just have to come down earlier. It doesn't mean we can now relax longer in the morning. And then spending our day together... In the same building, there's a gap in between us, and we would just walk into each other's and spend the whole day and have a cup of tea together. And then when we go home, well, we eat the same things. I suppose we've made ourselves like the same things, <laughs> limiting as they are. And his diet's horrendous. Yeah, He likes chips every night. Yeah, He loves chips. And OK, I change it every so often to another potato product. I'd said you enjoy that. dad he said, yeah, it was nice though You'd miss the chips, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then we watched the same television. And and I just wonder when I'm telling you this is whether you make yourself like the same things or whether you you do like them. It's gone too long that I can't remember whether we now always both loved a silent Charlie Chaplin film or whether I made myself like them because he likes them. As long as I know my dad, uh, there's one kind of true thing about him is that what he has, he's, he's content with. He's delighted with all he gets or has. And all through my life, one thing I noticed him uh, was that he never disliked anybody, and not in a hippie sort of way, but he, he'd always try and see the, something good in them and maybe somewhat excuse maybe their behaviour. And hence then, he had no anger towards anybody. And without both of these things in his build, it just seemed to have freed him up of a lot of burden, of sort of all the negative things that drag us all down and make our days gloomy. So by not having all this disruptive stuff in his life, it's it's left him free to be himself, to be exactly who he wants to be.
0: At nearly 100 years of age, Danny has seen and heard
3: many a thing. Well, let me see. I'll show you these things and then we'll go back on the story first. We'll begin it back at the beginning. Good idea.
0: Do you like coming here every day?
3: Well, it's part of the business of me. I talk to people and I do business. It's part of my business. And I get a, it made maybe an enthusiasm to write a story, which I do every day. I write a story maybe every day. Dark hair, shoes, dark skin, dark
0: eyes. There. I can see he was There's handsome in his poem. day. He still has
3: a twinkle in his eye. There's a beautiful poem about a girl I knew, Molly Malone. Molly you Malone. knew Molly Malone? Molly Malone was a doubling girl, the queen of the market, as everyone knows. Said she was built like a battleship from the top of her head right down to her toes. She was up with the lark in the morning and her voice could be heard near and far. Crying apples and oranges a penny apiece and chocolate a penny a bar. <laughs> And then there goes, and there's me. And there's the shop. Now, what do I do from here on? I don't know what anyone could possibly do.
0: Even before the story has started, Danny thinks he's told me everything. Luckily, he has passed his stories on to his son, Connor.
2: I I don't have that imagination which my dad grew up in. Because when I'd ask him, what would it be like when you'd be on a horse and cart? All day or every night, he'd cross the mountain, eighteen mile. I'd wonder how, in that silence, he'd he'd keep going and be happy. And he said, oh, "When I'd be there, Connor, I'd be also on the deck of a Spanish galleon." And he says, I, "I'd look up and I could I walked out every mast and every sail that was on that Spanish galleon." So that's where I was, as well as on the road across the mountain.
0: What about the Banshee? Do you ever see hear a banshee?
3: She used to come regularly right in the rocks in the summertime.
0: Did you hear them? Mm. What did it sound like?
3: In fact I fell in love with one while I was out fishing in the boat and she used to come in the boat with me.
0: You fell in love with a banshee?
3: And she wasn't really a banshee, she was one of them she had a long tail. Oh
0: well, she was a mermaid?
3: Well if I fell in love with a swan.
0: With a swan? It fell in love with you. Yeah. You must be very handsome for swans to fall in love with you. You are old, Father Danny, the young man said. You are old, but you are so very wise. And you know. Well,
3: your life story is always with what you've done, yeah,
0: and what I done is. was
3: I was just wrote stories most of the time. And when I came to Black Rock, I get up in the morning and I go up and down the street with a pony cart selling fruit and vegetables. And in the afternoon, I go up and down the street with a, a cart selling ice cream. And then at night, I had the showman, the photographs there, and I go over to the showman.
2: I suppose Dad's Dad's approach to work. And maybe this is when you work for yourself. It's just not as hard. No one's ordering you about all day. So for him, work is something he's decided to do because he enjoys it. It's an extension of himself. What he does every day is who he is in in its purest form. He taught me that in order for someone to buy a product, they must buy you first. So they they must like the shopkeeper. Or it's unlikely you will sell anything. So the first thing he did teach me is that that people will find you Warm to them, welcoming and and trusting. And if you don't, if you're missing any of them things, you're not going to be a salesman. That's the foundation. I now have lots of people who come and hang around and enjoy being in the shop, not so much as customers, just as friends of the shop. And dad had them, and actually, some of them are continued on to me now, and some of them, their sons or daughters, have continued on to me. So, in essence, I feel. The concept, this favourable shop where you get a friendly approach, is identical.
0: So long have you been coming here?
2: Since 1968. I started coming
3: in here It's a long time ago as a young fella then. Danny just had a shop here. There was no music shop here at the time. And at that time the, the place used to be, if I can remember correctly, full of northern people. This shop here would be packed up a Sunday. Danny was always very helpful and very nice. He's a good salesman.
1: Still
3: is? He still is, that's right. And as you can see yourself, he's still battering around the shop here.
0: He sold a fishing rod there. A few he sold a fishing
3: ago. rod in Leewood. He'd sell snow to decimals. Would that be right? <laughs> yeah. I've mean, always a threat, but he's a good man.
0: How many shops do you know in the country that you can come in, have a chat, a cup of tea, and sing a song?
3: Take it away, Pat. Right, this is a um, song recorded by the Dubliners of different people. G, there, Brandon. I've been a wild rover for many year and I spent all me money on whiskey and beer. And there's no, nay, never. No, nay, never, no more. Will I play the Wild Rover? No, never, no more.
2: Thank you. It was just the three of us, we were this small family unit that walked our shop and took our holidays and I suppose when there's just three of you say, it's it's a kind of a simple family unit my mummy, she walked the shop too she was particularly in charge of the staff it was good in a way because she covered all the areas that dad wouldn't have been good at my mummy was completely different to dad on on all aspects they admired the qualities in each other that that they particularly hadn't got and the gaps were filled by the other. This
0: shop began life as just a seaside shop. Since 1949, they have sold buckets and spades, sticks of rock, violins, holy statues, chips, and ice cream. And this is where Danny met his true love.
3: I met my wife. Was I used to go on the boat over to like places. And I was on the boat one day. There used to be a boat to would leave Dundalk every week. And on that boat, there'd be about half cattle and half people. And i go along with the, with the boat. And when I landed at Liverpool, then i go out to where my wife used to work. She was a state registered nurse in one of the hospitals. But before, where did you meet her? I just met her on holidays in Blackrock. She was with her parents in Black Rock originally. I then went forward and then I met her in Blackpool, and she was the nurse there. Used to then, go and visit her when she was I used to visit when she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And then eventually gradually started to come occasionally here. And eventually then she fell in love with me and was dead. <laughs> it's a very pathetic, it's a very beautiful story if you really followed it and saw so the substance that's there. I remember the day that poor father and all the relations came to the pub here. And we round and saw the house. There was no electricity or anything like that. And there was no DDT. DDT the beds with all fleas.
0: What's DDT?
3: DDT was the powder that they used for killing fleas. You'd fleas in your bed. Every house of for walking a with fleas. <laughs> so what would you do, There was no, there was no washing machine, so you bought a shirt and that shirt done you for your lifetime. Oh no! It
0: did. But she had plenty of money.
3: Wasn't the question of the money. It was the question there was nothing. where would you? Why would you? What would you do with the shirt?
0: Hand wash it.
3: No. We don't get married then, my wife used to do, but.
0: And is she dead?
3: Oh, she is, yeah.
0: When did she die? Oh, she
3: was be dead it's 15 or 16 years.
0: Do you still miss her?
3: I do and I don't. I do, So we've the new year since. No, you don't. <laughs> so I do and I don't. I might say a prayer for her in or something like that. You still have girls. You still have girls? Yeah. Uh, where do you get them? Not necessarily that they would go to bed with anybody or be involved with anyone like that. And if you had, a, if you have a camera, there's a beautiful photograph of me there. As I am today. And if you buy that book, there, you get the photograph there, there with that photograph in? Mm-hmm.
2: Going by the consensus, he's he's a very handsome man. The charm is extraordinary. There's no there's no walking past my father. They'll say hello, Danny, and he'll say hello back. But he'll always have another comment. Are you back from the Miss World competition already? Or (laughs) something like that. And he really does make you feel like you're the greatest thing that ever walked into the shop. He'll get a letter all of a sudden from America or something, and we read the letter. I've been to the Cliffs of Moher and the lakes of Killarney, but your shop was the best visit of all. Years of Memories. Years thinking of fond memories. Memories written down cannot be forgotten. In collaboration with the launch of one of his books, at the time he was quite prolific and he'd he'd bring a book out each summer. And in each book there was one main story. And um, the story would then have a place in Blackrock where you could go to see what the essence of that story was. This was all ways of getting more people to Blackrock. For example, you had a story called The Witches of Blackrock, and the last line is, if you go round to the boathouse area of Blackrock, you can see the witches' circle, which he and myself used weed killer for weeks on end to make this circle. And we'd light fires and things just to get the people talking, and then all of a sudden the thing exploded, and everybody was talking about that witches were taking over Blackrock. It, it reminds me of last summer wine now as I tell these stories, and I'm in it.
0: <laughs> Danny would sell anything even water from the sea.
2: So every year he concocted these stories, and they say that if uh, you bathe in the water in the rocks, there's cures in it. For quite a while he was selling the bottles of water from the rocks. And then one day to my mother's absolute abhorrence, we seen a lad being pushed around in a wheelchair and dipped in the water. So it ended there. We (laughs) We couldn't face ourselves.
0: Danny has lived a long life and has built up books full of stories.
2: Seaside shops always carried lots of religious paraphernalia. Holy Water fonts in particular are big, and statuettes. They'd always call to Blackrock on the way home from Dublin or Bray or the zoo or something. We'd be the last call, so they'd stock up in presents, and they'd buy a dozen rock, It was always a dozen rock, and then they'd buy some religious paraphernalia. So our shop always had lots of endless supplies of um, religious goods. We got caught out one time when a lady came in and asked for a statue of St Martin. Dad knew who St Martin was, but he wasn't one of the the popular guys. He wasn't up in the the head parade of saints, yeah. He said to her, can you come back in an hour? I go, I think I can get you one. She did come back in an hour, and within that span, time of an hour, my father had painted with shoe polish the face of, I think it was an infant of Prague, or Mary even, it was... Ghastly personification of poor St. Martin. And I, I remember this moment where he just flashed it at her. It never stood still when she seen it. It went from him waving it around into the bag without any moment where she could really study it. And off she went. Dad always knew they were going to so go getting on a bus. <laughs> like it was the devilment of that. It was just that he thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it was as simple as that.
0: Blackpool rock.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, to get black rock, rock made is quite expensive. Blackpool rock was easy got and a good value because it was such a common product. So he got lots of that in and he would sell it in a flash by just showing, showing people the black bit and maybe covering the rest with his fingers.
0: Danny Hughes had the original Happy Meal years before McDonald's. Uh,
2: well, one particular summer and I guess... I. I don't remember which summer it was, but uh, he decided we would enter the the catering trade. (laughs) And uh, much to my mother's horror, who continued right up to the day we stopped doing it, to call it a coffee bar, which Dad Dad would have nothing (laughs) but to call it a restaurant. (laughs) I suppose nostalgically we look back and have a great laugh at all the things that happened in it. At that moment it wasn't so funny for him. customers I suppose um, there was a few times dad of course wanting to reap every inch of the shop if there was any space at all we would clutter with other products and uh, in particular over the chip pans there was pegboard and he used to put key rings of course he'd want to put far too many on and every so often some of the key rings would fall into the chip pan and I remember the particular key rings he always had lots of those speedy Gonzales and there was Daffy Duck and a few other Walt Disney characters, and then every so often one would be served up in the chips, and people would come back, and then Dad would say, "That's that's the toy for your happy meal, you see," and they'd say, "You don't expect a toy cooked," <laughs> in our shop restaurant, you do get you get your toy cooked. <laughs>
3: There's nobody coming to Black Rock for there's no accommodation for visitors now. They go on the plains to to, to to Spain and Italy and all them places where they can get cheap holidays. There's an awful
0: lot of people not going on holidays anymore.
3: There is of course, but there's nobody coming to Black Rock for there's no accommodation for visitors now. Yeah, but for day trips? So You see, there's no people coming. Very, very few people. But it's
0: freezing. But when the summer
3: comes... No, no, the weather's good enough. There's no hobby horses here, there's no roundabouts, there's no nothing much. To come to Black Rock, there's nobody to do, only come and talk to Danny Hughes. And he tell you nothing, only a hip it
2: For sure, everybody knows that seaside business, in its pure tradition of coming and just sitting on a wall or going for a paddle, it's, it's not enough. But strangely enough, this summer is no different than the 40s or the 50s. It's still a joy for a, a kid of eight or nine to be on a clean beach and, Our parents are never as happy as watching a kid digging or making a a castle. A lot of our relatives on my mother's side are in Dublin and it was only when they'd come down to Blackrock that then I would get a really good feeling for what I had that I was a boy growing up right on the beach as such uh, with a father who had a seaside shop and that I worked in it. So, when they'd come they'd maybe not even in words, but in their by their gestures and and their <laughs> adoration of what what we had, I realized what I had from then on I suppose personally I started to appreciate what I had right to this day uh, even just pulling up to come up to see you here, pulling up outside the door. I didn't turn to the shop first, I turned to the beach and watched even on this this day in the end of the summer, that kids were holding on to a glimmer of sunshine, just to have a a last dig in the sand. Christmas in Blackburn, he'd always have a santee in the shop every year, he'd leave it till the last minute of course, and anybody could get a call up, even the postman came one day. His whole round was interrupted because we needed a Santy down and there. So he was dressed up and, <laughs> and the post was thrown <laughs> to one side. So that was always great excitement over the Santy. Dad was well known for children's party bags. Uh, if a club, like a GA club or school or something, was having a Christmas party. Well, no later than October. And we would in the house in the evenings, myself and my mum and Dad would have a virtual assembly line. While we watched television, of course, it didn't interrupt our, our leisure time. Uh, it was done very much in the, the essence of the, the Chinese industrialists. Uh, we'd all do a piece each, and by the end of it, uh, the last person would click click the bag with a stapler. By the night's end, we'd have watched the film and made 200 goodie bags. Then we used to use
3: the lifeboat to sometime over Christmas, We'd fill it full of parcels and we'd bring it in here at the pier for the children, and we'd give them the parcels, and that happened for about three years. And the name of the boat was the Double Big And
0: He used to give all the kids presents. Yes. Did you dress up as Santa? We were dressing for Santa.
2: He couldn't resist selling stuff. That was one thing. He, nothing could curtail the joy of a sale. And I remember one particular example. It was the year that, <clears throat> that the rally chopper came. I'm not quite sure, maybe 75 or 76. I'd asked for one. And I was getting one. We sold them in the shop. And I deserved it because I walked all that Christmas in the shop. So it came about, there was one put away from me. I remember in particular it was a brown one. And on Christmas Eve a man came in and asked for one. And Dad sold mine. My Christmas present. <laughs> he wasn't just going to sell it and do nothing about it he then got an old bike that we had and he painted it brown and he wrote chopper on it and he spelled it wrong, it actually spelled chopper <laughs> <laughs> and there's a saying in our house when you're when you when you're in bad form or you're going to lose the head or something and it's always are you going to throw your bike in the tide because that's what I done when I woke up and I seen the blimmin' thing I took the bike and I wheeled it across the road and I chucked it in the tide in bad temper the strangest thing is, I'd do it now if I had a kid <laughs> and someone come in and wanted something. <laughs> Somebody, if your kid wanted drums,
0: you'd sell
2: them. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't resist if we had a customer, even though it was done in me. I, I, I can't help it, Your Honour. That's just in me. You can't, you can't, no, you can't miss a sale. Well, uh, yeah, I did end up with a chap. No, I did, I did. I, I got one in January. Come rain or shine, Dad drags our baskets of uh, seaside paraphernalia to the door: a basket of buckets, and varieties of spades, fishing nets, hula hoops, and uh, this could be a huge stormy day. It's the still go out. I suppose it's, it's an unconscious habit with them. If you're not putting them out, it means you're not opened. And then every so often someone says, <laughs> I woke up in the most miserable day in the world, and the next thing is a senior dad in all weathers pulling things out. And I thought, maybe, maybe I have nothing to grumble about. And then, of course, the day turns and the days get longer and the weather subdues a bit, and then it's appropriate to put them out, and we're ready. We've practised all winter. And maybe that's what's always kept them in form. That no matter how gloomy things are on any front, summer does come. Unless... Yeah. Summer. Summer always comes. A mother's love, a father's love. We'd kind of done right by ma'am. We we were there all the time. and uh, We'd done what she would have asked, asked of us. And... and and our last thing of ask, to ask of us would have been to support each other, the remainder of the family, and we did. I think he got a wee bit lost in, in the stories. I think they helped him at the time, too. I think he used, you know, his, his story writing to consume his time and his memories a bit. Now uh, We go to 9 o'clock Mass in Hagristown, which is ideal. So it's a nice Sunday ritual for us, nice Mass, quiet Mass. Yeah, and this, uh, and then... On Sunday morning's aftermath, then we can um, say our prayers for Mammy.
1: Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are. Up above our house at night, shining down so white and bright. Twinkle.
2: Ship is um, respectful. No matter what I wanted to do, even if he knew I was going to fall flat on my face, uh, he'd encourage me like most fathers would. And then if when it fell flat on its face, he'd he'd be the same. He wouldn't be anything other than supportive. And, and as a person to spend me days, I even find when we sit together on the couch, like I'm a grown man now, and I snuggle, snuggle into him. I don't, I don't really sit a gap in between us because I know he loves it he loves the physical touch of me next to him so um we do that it's starting to sound quite weird mm-hmm. <laughs> That's lovely. yeah I'd always I'd always have one part of my body maybe shoulder to shoulder or something touching so he knows well, at this age it would be real important for him to be secure to know that I'm about and not a passing fancy. Well, I'm very fortunate. I get spent every day with my father. Not only am I fortunate, I, I know I'm fortunate. I, I recognise the fact that oh goodness, another day I have with him and uh, isn't this great? Here we are. For me I just think that's the way things are. I suppose it's just my own personal thing that I've I've never had to do anything other other than be with him. Uh, it means everything. Uh, I suppose since I have no brothers and sisters, uh, he ne- he's nearly like a brother now. So he's kind of all these gaps that I don't have. You know, I don't have a brother or a sister. We don't really have so many relatives and things. He he fulfills lots of them spaces. You know, someday. As plans may have it, I won't have him. <clears throat> so for sure, um, every day as he's with me, I, I'm aware of it. As opposed to just letting one day drift into the next, I'm aware. Oh, great, Dad's we're down together here now, and this is this is a joy. Can't remember the last time I just took for granted that he's going to be around all the time. I can't say say that I always felt this way, but definitely as he's become more fragile and fallible, uh, more tender, I suppose. I, I realise, yeah, that these are the days when I should come to the fore and mind him. That's my, my duty. Oh, God. Uh, to answer a question, am I scared of losing my father? Uh, well, apart from the obvious, you know, it would be nice to put a a decent answer to that. It's gonna happen. Um what I won't be scared of is that I'll look back and think I didn't do right by him. So that body of work will stand to me that I won't feel the agony that I neglected him. So I'll have that to help me cope with him. I'll have endless, endless memories every inch of the shop, every stone and on the wall I'll know I'll remember something and I'll have all them things, and then I'll realise then how fortunate I was that I had them so long compared to what a lot of people have with their parents or loved ones. And through all them things, I'll, um, I'll get through. Him and I done the same, funny enough, for my mammy and his wife. Uh, we'd throw customers out of the shop, and, and in response, if my mum wanted to go for a walk, the shop would be closed, and off we'd go. This is the deal. We, we mind each other. Today, as we speak, he, he's, uh, he's already planned tomorrow that we're buying more spades because we have too many buckets. So he's forward-thinking, he's planning. <laughs> he's going to get this economy started. <music> what I love most about my father is his enthusiasm for getting up every day. He's not apprehensive about waking up like lots of us can be. In essence, my father is the same when he was 20, as he is now in his 90s. He still believes the same things. And even though the world's changed, it hasn't really changed for him. He's seen plenty of it, but it's the same. It's still a good place.
0: When I go home, I shall write a book about this place, this magical place that holds memories of times gone by. Stories once told we will never forget. Danny with his sharp mind, his charm and his sheer strength to get up every single day in the sun and the snow. Connor with his honesty and sincerity and his dedication to the most important person in his life, his father. Age really is just a number with both these men. Danny, 99 like an ice cream and Connor, 45, like a record. I feel lucky to have spent time in their world.
1: So, there you have it. A book of poetry, a horse and cart, a stick of rock, a statue of St. Martin, and a mother's love. These items may still mean nothing to you, but to Danny and Connor Hughes... These memories mean everything.
0: Fond memories I'll keep.
3: ever
1: happy ever after My heart
3: as you take
1: your journey. if you enjoyed this documentary you might like to listen to our other documentary on one
2: productions visit rte.ie forward/ doc on one